Hi everyone, good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome back to the Unconstrained Conversation podcast. Ben Thomas is a hotelier's hotelier. Since starting as a bartender many years ago, he has steadily worked his way up to hotel general manager, regional general manager, and regional director before being appointed chief commercial officer at Penta Hotels in the midst of the pandemic in June 2020. Since stepping into his new role, Ben has broken down silos, enhanced communication, and fostered teamwork between his various teams and positioned Penta Hotels well for the expected future travel rebound. As many hotel companies around the world are in the process of contemplating or implementing a move towards a commercial success framework, I wanted Ben to share some of his learnings on this episode of the Unconstrained Conversation podcast. Ben will also join in ideas for a conversation about commercial success at the upcoming Hospitality Technology Hub on March 8th. Make sure you sign up through the link in the podcast details below. Thanks for listening. And as always, make sure you subscribe. All right. Uh, welcome back to the Unconstrained Conversation podcast, um, episode 41, I believe, or 42. But uh, who is really counting? Uh, we're almost in a year of um, COVID and we're in a year of unconstrained conversations. So um, I'm super excited today to have with me uh, Ben who is uh, the head of commercial for Penta out of Europe, Penta Hotels, so sorry, I should say. Uh, ben, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your background. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Really excited to have the conversation with you. Um, so, yeah, I, I joined uh, Penta all coming up to eight years ago now. Um, so I've been with the company for quite some time, but uh, in a completely different uh, discipline. So my background was in operation or general management roles. Um, and uh, most recently headed up the UK as a region. Uh, and then in June of last year, right in the middle of the pandemic, uh, decided to take on a role in the commercial field, uh, which has been a, um, obviously really interesting to do. Uh, less opportunities to really yield much revenue uh, in such a time, but equally exciting to understand how, uh, how opportunities have grown for us and how we can see some success in things that we have done, despite there being such a, a difficult a uh, trading situation for I think for all of us in the hospitality industry. Yeah. So as chief of commerce, is that um is that a new role at Penta or has that existed before? Yeah, no, so it's a new role. Um so uh Rocky Brackman, who is our uh, managing director, joined uh just prior. So he joined us in February last year. Um and previously, I think traditionally, as most hotel companies uh, always had, we had uh, obviously various uh, individual heads of departments, so revenue reservations, uh, sales, marketing. Um, my role was brought in really as the figurehead of, of all those to try and bring them all to work together under one uh, clear department so that rather than, I think, sometimes what can happen of having different uh, decision makers in different areas, Commercial for me really is the overarching um, dis uh, disciples between revenue, reservations, marketing, uh, e-commerce and distribution. Okay. Um, and how has that been going for the last uh, 12 months or so? How, how is the state of Penta? How is the state of the market? Um, and how is the, the, the state of the, the commercial leader and commercial strategist as we see them emerging more and more in the industry? Sure. So, I mean, we see really regional variances. We, um, we had some markets that maintained a fairly um, solid level of occupancy. And I say solid, we were still considerably behind where we ever envisaged we would be. Um, through the, but really through the first stage of the pandemic, we had some hotels that performed really, really 
better than expected for us. Um, and we had other small city centre locations uh, who always relied upon transient business of kind of one or two night lengths of stay, which really suffered because that business, I think, really, uh, really stopped pretty much in- instantaneously for us from, from March onwards. And then I think probably the same for many of the listeners. As we went through um, the summer period, we saw a huge increase in domestic leisure. Um, we actually had one of our hotels um, outperformed any of its historical records because of that in terms of occupancy and revenue. It was a record-breaking summer period for us. So, um, you know, we really saw the staycation market grow for us and a new type of business for us as well, which we had some experience in, but we were never quite a leader in that particular segment. So we really had to to become more agile and change how we were operating. Um, and then really for the for the outlook for us, I mean, everything really remains unknown still. We, we started this year um, behind where we expected. Again, when, once we looked at the, the budgets for um, for last year, we tried, sorry, for this year, we tried to make them as late as possible. But even then, I think um, you know, it was very much a case of we almost wanted to say, well, let's just create a business plan for three years rather than even looking at a budget because really it's a month by month forecast. And even now, you know, we don't know um, as well as we ever would do in the past what will happen in, in May, June, July, mm. let alone what will happen in quarter four of this year. So everything is constantly changing. Uh, we see booking patterns, consumer behavior different restrictions, lockdowns, uh, releases of lockdowns, really um, changing each day and each week. So, um, you know, it, it, for us really as a brand, we're trying to navigate through these stormy waters, as we would, as we would call them, and then um, get ourselves ready for recovery. Because I think what has changed for us is perhaps our outlook of, of what recovery will be in the basis of when we first looked last year, you know, we potentially thought that recovery would be a longer period. We're mm-hmm. actually now starting to see signs of it being a faster recovery than we expected. Oh, okay. So so actually we, what we're seeing now is um, you know, there's a huge amount of pent up demand for travel uh, and for group business particularly to come back. Uh, and we didn't expect that to happen as quick as it, as it is. And you know, the number of inquiries we're receiving at the moment would suggest that Actually, things may recover faster than uh, we first thought. So, um, yeah, we we were a little bit nervous about some of our hotels and how long it would take them to recover, and you know, that could still happen. Uh, but signs yeah. are more optimistic than than potentially uh, we we first thought, particularly when we looked at kind of projections for this year, which was back in September. Yeah, I, I saw some of the statistics coming out of the UK after the the government announced the path to reopening. Let's call it that way, and 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 the enormous booking volumes that Tui and Thomas Cook and and um, uh, EasyJet reported. Um, I think Cottages.com reported their best day ever. They booked ten thousand um, stays within a very short period of time. EasyJet like three hundred percent up, obviously off small base numbers, but uh, it seems like whenever there is a semblance of restrictions are, are are being removed even if it's in july or may or january or, or or august people are just just saying okay i'll book something to have something somewhere so i can look forward to that stay or that trip or that holiday is that something I, you're I seeing as well totally and i think it's something that's it's so right i think we're all yearning for uh, for travel we're all yearning for something to look forward to to have that 
um, hope of, of doing something that's different. And whether that be in business travel or it, there's so many things I think that the COVID pandemic has taught us in terms of how uh, consumer behavior will change. But I, I personally believe that you know some of those things will stick. Other things we will all want to go back to, you know, the days of wanting to meet people. We can have virtual meetings and they are, you know, they've, they've really helped us in terms of communication. But I think as soon as people can meet again, they will take the opportunity to meet again because the the social interaction is probably the biggest thing that people miss. You know, that those chats around the coffee machine pre-meeting or post-meeting, those are the things where you really start to build rapport and relationships. And you know, you can try and do them virtually and digitally. They're just not quite the same. So I think once people are able to, um, I definitely think that they will start to travel again. And I think. We all want to. We all want to get back to some form of right. normality as soon as we can. Um, yeah. Even if it please our shareholders as well, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a friend who's a little bit older. He just got his second vaccination. And the first note he sent me was, I'm vaccinated. I want to travel somewhere warm. Where in Europe can I go? <laughs> My yeah. answer was, sorry, Europe is close to Americans at the moment, so maybe <laughs> you can go somewhere else. But, but uh, it's just this desire to get on a plane and 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 go somewhere, right? So um, it's it's yeah. very interesting. So how how have you 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 got this new role um, uh, not so long ago, and it's a new role at Panther. Um, we see that in many many. Uh, companies across the world that this 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 move towards commercial strategists and commercial leaders, just like Penta has done, and this removal of the silos and breaking down of the barriers and bringing people together. H- how how has that evolved for you? Have you um, have you seen uh, you know if, if you know somebody was listening and is contemplating a similar path? What what okay. are some of the recommendations or suggestions that you would have? What are some of the good things and the bad things that you have seen, and how has it helped you as an organization? Uh, so I started the role in in June of 2020. So I mean, my first two months in the role, or my first three months, um, were better than ever because I I kind of reported triple digit growth month on month because <laughs> we <laughs> we were closed in March and April for many of our hotels. So. So we so got went better, from but... zero from zero to three bookings. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But if you do it in percentage terms, that's a huge growth. So, <laughs> <It is>. uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so no, it was um, yeah, it was a, a tough but also a great time to start for, for having the opportunity. But for me, really, um, from a commercial field, like I said, historically, um, as a commercial team, as I said, you have kind of people that lead revenue, that lead uh, sales and marketing or e-commerce and digital. And each one of those is a specialist in those areas. And absolutely, they they are. That's the reason they're in there. To me, the commercial function is how can you bring those people to all work together to have the same like-minded approach? Um, so am I the best revenue manager in our organization? No. Am I the best marketer? No, I'm not. Um, I'm the best salesperson. No. But what I can do is to bring those heads together to say, right, what's the common goal we want to achieve here? And how can we also look at the business um, from a, a different angle in terms of what's the most profitable piece of business for us as opposed to just top line? Because traditionally speaking, commercially, we would only ever look at top line. And, and again, I think that through the pandemic, um, it's taught us that we have to look at uh, bottom line as equally. Um, 
and really to decide how we can decide what's the most profitable piece of business, taking into account all the different areas, but also what's the most important thing for um, if we make a decision um, from the sales function to perhaps lower a corporate rate, how does that impact the other facets of the business? And actually, what's the long-term impact of that? Because, of course, the sales team will just say, well, I have this client and they've requested a rate reduction because of the situation. So we now start to look at it from a commercial level and say, well, actually, what's the longer-term impact of the brand of doing that? What happens then next year if we see some form of recovery and then the travel manager of that corporate client, for example, says, well, we'll only accept a 3% rate increase the following year. So we're now starting to look and analyze pieces of business holistically, I would say, more than just for the individual facets. Um, and I think that's all always been uh, really keen for me is to, my role is to really get the best people in class that I can from a revenue from a sales team and then um, empower them. And I think as a leader, that's what's most important that um, you don't try and become the best in each one of the class but what you actually do is to make sure you have those people working for you which i'm really incredibly lucky to do and then empower them to grow to make decisions but also to stay with them to say well actually look at it from a from a marketing point of view from a from an e-commerce point of view or just because the decision is right for the revenue manager how does that impact the long-term consumer value from a sales point of view so we we can now start to have really interesting and quite deep conversations about small decisions that would automatically perhaps just be taken in the past from from one particular department where we can now say well what's the overall and you know really looking at lifetime value of customers and, and what's best for our business yeah what i what, I, what i'm hearing is it, it feels that uh, there's a more holistic approach not from from what is the most valuable business for the long time long term and as well what is the most profitable business which means channel cost and marketing cost and cost of sales and, and all these other factors that go in there, right? Um, it's it's yeah. it, it feels like if, if I put myself back in the revenue manager that I used to be many many years ago, um, it's it it would give the revenue manager more of a sense of okay, my action here has an impact on 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 the business in the broader sense than just a short term price increase or ADR increase or occupancy increase, right? Um, it feels a much more rounded and holistic look towards how do we drive overall business value, right? Yeah, totally. Because I think that, and rightly so, the, the revenue team will. And of course, at the moment, from, from using uh, the ideas platform, um, then you would say everything has a, a last stream value of almost zero at the moment. So anything they get is, is a bonus, really. Um, but actually, like we said, it's looking at the, the distribution cost, the channel cost, how that business comes, but also whilst we may be able to achieve a higher rate through a commissionable source, um, what's the opportunity that we have of acquiring that customer afterwards? And would I rather have a customer that could stay with me frequently for 100 room nights paying 75 euros? I would have rather have one that's going to pay a much higher rate, but there's a high risk that we probably never see that customer again because they're just rate shopping for the best value um, on that particular night. So it's now opening up each one of the departments to see things perhaps outside of their own uh, area of control as well. Yeah, and we've talked about lifetime value for many, many years in the industry, and, and it's great to see that more and more people are now starting to look at it, right? And, and have a more broader view of saying over, over time, how is this gonna impact and benefit the business and the customer? 
Um, so speaking about the customer, do you feel, you know, so two questions here, kind of, obviously we talked about being optimistic and seeing a delight at the end of the tunnel in terms of rebound. Um, do you feel we're going to see a different type of customer uh, going forward? And is there going to be different ways of attracting that that customer kind of to drive demand and, and converting them and, and getting them to re, re-engage with you afterwards? Or is it going to be pretty much the same as we saw before? Everyone just goes back as how it used to be in 2019 eventually. Yeah, I mean, from a revenue point of view, we hope we go back to those levels of <laughs> sure. Actually, sure. Um, that's that's you know that's our only aim at the moment. But no, I think that for for us, we we really see um, we were probably we did some really great things from a, from a digital point of view and from an e-commerce point of view. One of the first things I um, I did in my role was to really um, separate e-commerce as its own function, um, because I see that's where we can have some really um, fast opportunity of growth here. And we we like I said, we did some some strong things, but it was we we did these things quite historically the same as most hotels would do, where you take um, e-commerce and think, okay, well it's a revenue function, or we take e-commerce and think, well it's just a marketing function. So. Um, I recruited the best e-commerce head that I could find. And what we did by doing that is to actually separate them as their own entity, because um, I think digital will continue to be the area of growth um, through every channel. Um, And, you know, we're looking now from a reservation stage as well of how we can better digitalize um, that uh, and how we can say, well, the pandemic has taught us to kind of work remotely, then our consumers would probably also be doing the same. So, how much of our volume of inquiries comes through voice? How much of it comes through uh, digital? How can we improve those digital touch points to really then uh, maximize, again, profitability through what we're getting to, whether it would be automation of processes? Um, but also, the, the one thing I don't think will change um, is the focus that hospitality should have on the art of hospitality, because it's really easy for us to automate lots of processes. And we did, like I say, a lot many things that we did almost overnight during the pandemic. But actually, what's most important for us and, and what we decided to do through the pandemic was to really look at how we deliver our guest experience through this. And um, so we launched our own campaign called Between Us, which was based around how could we give the consumer um, confidence to stay through safety measures, et cetera, but also, um, as as far as we could, add elements of humour to these things. So rather than just having signs plastered everywhere once a guest arrives to a hotel or the minute you arrive on a, on a website and the first thing you see is a list of regulations to what you can't do, actually, how can you bring some normality back? Because I think, as we said at the beginning, we're all craving some fun. We're all craving to have some normality. And I'm not trying to make light of the pandemic at all because it's been, you know, it's affected so many of us. But I think that we are all wanting some form of normality. So I think that the consumer behavior will, um, in some ways, uh, come back to that, will want to then meet and socialize again. I think the uh, perhaps the booking uh, pattern will change again. We're starting to see more and more long stay. Um, we're looking at long stay as, um, as, a, as a business outlet at the moment in terms of putting trials in of, of kitchenettes. Whether those stay as a long-term strategy, I'm not sure. Um, whether they're, you know, reactive to the pandemic because people are staying for longer. Um, but I also think that um, 
through the combining business trips with leisure, there's also opportunity. I think that will continue to happen where people then say, actually, no, um, we haven't traveled as much last year. So let's stay on and, and take a longer break. Let's explore the city. Um, and also let's just enjoy life a little bit more. I think that's the one thing it's probably taught everybody. We took so many things for granted you know, over the last 30 or 40 years of eating in great restaurants, drinking in great bars, staying in great hotels and traveling. And then all of all of a sudden, all of that has been removed from us. So like I said, I think that there is a, a real hankering after wanting to go back to the good old days of doing such a thing, such of those things. So. Right, right. Uh, it, it feels to me as well. And I was just thinking while you were talking back to the, you know, the roaring 20s in 1920 and how after the, the Spanish flu and after World War One, everyone just started living uh, in many parts of yeah. the world, right? Uh, not everywhere, yeah. but in many parts of the world, right? Um, so thanks for that. That's uh, that's really in, insightful. And, and I, I, I agree with the engagement of the customer. I agree with the staycation segment and the long stay segment that um, that feels very very sustainable to me for the long and permanent to me. And and I'm feeling, you know, for myself, when I go somewhere in maybe at the end of March, I'm thinking maybe I'll take a week vacation and then I'll just stay in that same place and work from that place. And rather than just uh, traveling for one week, maybe I'll stay two or three weeks, right? And and, and be in that place um, for longer term, because why, why do I need to go back? Um, yeah. So as we're wrapping up, um, at the end, I always I always ask kind of what your advice would be for anyone starting in the um, in the industry. Uh, lots of students are listening to this podcast and people are just starting out, uh, trying to get to the place that you are at. Um, what, what kind of advice? Is this a good time to start? Um, and, and how do you, um, what, what do you, would you say to someone who's asking you? I think it's always a great time to start. I think it's a really good question. So um, for me, my background was a little different. So um, I was a uh, a barman. That's how I started. I started the industry from the from the bottom, as we say, uh, and really took the opportunity to learn as much as I can. So I joined at a young age, um, and and worked in many areas where I had little to no um, experience at all. Um, and I remember being placed into a restaurant within uh, a few weeks and really having no idea what I was doing. But um, I, I tried to kind of then think for myself. Okay, well, so the things that I don't know. How do I then um, kind of continue my growth and my career development? So I broke it into three main areas for me and always try and stay the same into these three areas. Um, and they would be number one, to set yourself targets and always believe in yourself. So I set myself a target once I joined the hotel I worked for at the time uh, to become an operations manager. Then once I got to that much younger than I expected, it was then, right, I want to be a general manager. And I continued setting myself those targets. But I always thought two or three roles ahead. So I always thought, okay, how do, where do I want to go? And does this next role allow me to get there faster? Um, and sometimes that means taking a sideward step in terms of a role or being put into an area that you didn't ever think of. Um, but it always having that main goal in mind. And then the second one is always to be brave and be confident. Um, and most importantly, always uh, kind of be brave enough to, to make mistakes and to learn from those mistakes because it's always, I think, more so I'm learning more than ever now from a commercial field and you just gather data and you just learn from those mistakes and you say, right, what worked? What didn't work? How could we make decisions that could perhaps improve those? And I remember one of the first GMs that I worked for um, and he always told me that um, 
you never get fired or you rarely get fired for making decisions. You really get fired for not making decisions. And I think that's, that's always stuck with me because I would rather make a decision and make a wrong decision and learn from it than just kind of stand there and do nothing. Um, and finally, I think, as, as we just discussed, it's to never really forget that you're in a hospitality business. Um, and actually, the art of hospitality is to serve people, to look after people, whether that be uh, a guest, whether that be our colleagues. But we're in the art of, of kind of delivering service to people. Um, and that's what I joined the industry for. And I think that's what has to remain at the core of our business, that um, even if we become so ingrained in data and so ingrained in looking at the minute amount of detail, we have to remember that there's always a human element behind whether the person that you're going to speak to, whether the data decides to to increase somebody's rate, whatever it may be, there's always a human element. Um, so those would be my well, three takeaways. Very well said. Seems like we 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 have, we were on the same path, uh, starting out in F and B and then working our way through hospitality, right? Um, and yeah. and um, I wouldn't I wouldn't pick any other industry in the world to, uh, than being within the hotel ecosystem. Let's put it that way. Um, really, really appreciate your time, Ben. Um, this was great. Um, I know you're going to join us at the Hospitality Tech Hub on March 8th for a conversation yeah. about uh, commercial success. So I really appreciate your time there as well. And uh, it looks like we, we're seeing some green shoots and light at the end of the tunnel. So hopefully um, soon we can get together in person and hopefully you'll tell me everything about how to make a good drink, which I know nothing about. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. And I hope you found this episode valuable for your own business circumstances. Check out the show notes, link to the episode, help more people in the industry find this podcast by sharing and rating. And don't forget to subscribe to the series wherever you listen to it.